Grab a slice of homemade bread because it's time to lick that butter. You're listening to Plygonometry. This is a family podcast where each week I sit down with one of my many relatives to discuss what it's like growing up in polygamy. My guest on the show this week is one of my most favorite human beings on planet Earth, bar none. She's great. She's amazing. She is wise, smart, funny, all of the things that make her awesome. Her and I uh, quite literally grew up in the same household together. And the things that we get into in this episode are things that we kind of both knew about each other, but never really asked. And so this episode is basically us asking the things that we've always wanted to say to each other. And it was great. I enjoyed it so, so much. And I hope that you guys enjoy the episode that I have with my dad's oldest brother's first wife's sister from another mother's husband's little sister's oldest daughter, or to put it more simply, my older sister. All I knew about girls class, at least from what I thought, was um, like, so they're learning how to like sew and <laughs> sometimes <laughs> and and be a good wife. So girls class, for the most part, it was just like, I mean, I don't know what went on in priesthood meeting, but I mean, I could tell you. <laughs> I would love to hear sometime. <laughs> we would do. A lot of like Bible lessons. It was like Sunday school, mm-hmm. but it was tailored more towards like the woman's place and like women's lessons. And so we would do the home ec stuff, the sewing, the cooking. That was always the fun classes. So but you look for forward. Part, it it's was like, oh, hell yeah, we get to sew yeah. today. <laughs> we get to make, <laughs> we had like spa nights. There was one time we did a spa day with all of our moms and we got to make like homemade coffee scrub which you can have coffee on your face can't drink coffee they <laughs> reminded us that <laughs> you can so you can consume coffee through your pores <laughs> through your pores <laughs> yeah. you can be like a frog yeah um <laughs> there was a mint strawberry facial that i remember very vividly that was wonderful <laughs> <laughs> mint strawberry <laughs> yeah so it was all like Dude. organic home stuff it was sweet that's awesome no i yeah i had never I had, yeah, this is all news to me. Yeah. I've never even, because it was all just like, I mean, the typical thing of, you know, the stereotypical, like, men not understanding women, just generally <laughs> right. speaking, right? And then you, like, cater that down into, like, a prepubescent dude who quite literally doesn't even comprehend females. Right. <laughs> and then, like, oh, yeah, so what do they do in girls' class? Like, oh, I, I don't know. I have no idea. No, it was a good mix of everything. It's kind of a mixed bag. There was definitely times where it was lessons on polygamy and being a good wife, whether you were first, second, third, seventh. Um, Bible stuff, mostly Book of Mormon stuff, because mm-hmm. the Bible was kind of secondary at least in my perspective. Well, that's what you're taught, right? I mean, Joseph yeah. Smith said that like the Book of Mormon is the most true out of all right. the texts. Right. So it ranks high. Yeah. It ranks above the Bible, and the Bible has to be translated correctly in order to be viewed as. Yeah. Yeah. I um. We wrote a note. I don't know if I've ever told you this story before. 
it was in my tail end of like being involved in Mm -hmm. girls class and we sat down and we had to write like goals of what we wanted to achieve by the time we were I think 21 20 something like that we I think we could set a date but we weren't allowed to open that letter again until we reached that age oh kind of a time capsule time capsule type thing of like this is what I want for my life in however many years Mm -hmm. I think it was like I probably wrote it when I was 15 or 16 Probably before 16. Um, anyways, I found it when I was that old. 20, I think. Must have been 20, yeah, because I was moving out of home yeah. to get married. Mm-hmm. And opened it up. And I had achieved pretty much everything on the list. Really? Yeah. And I was when I found it, I was like, oh, okay. So this is me when I'm 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I was in that trying to be good enough for my friends to attend girls class but definitely knew I wasn't going to stay so I was like did I was I honest with myself or was I doing what everybody told me I should do yeah, yeah. In this letter and on it was go to college which I was in the middle of mm-hmm. um find my true love which I had found because I was about ready to get married um I don't remember what else was on there, but there was nothing religious on it. And I was from the note that you wrote when you were fourteen. Yeah, in girls' class, Whoa. when everybody was showing off their letters, saying, "I hope to be wife first number three, wife, or <laughs> wife number three, or um, have a calling for being a girls' class leader, or I'm relief society president, yeah, whatever." Whoa. Um, I was proud of myself for sticking cool. true to my guns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. No, we didn't do anything like that in precinct meeting. No. <laughs> no, it was <laughs> it was basically like really awkward conversations around boners and oh. <laughs> like <laughs> girls are more creative. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Some of the lessons <laughs> the way that we viewed boners. <laughs> no. Uh it was a lot of that kind of stuff too of like how to be a holy pious you know letter of the law straight laced Mm -hmm. person in this culture and yeah a lot of it was how to treat your wife and how to treat your other wife and how to treat your other wife interesting um i mean but at the same time like in the like you were how old you would you say when we all kind of boosted from the i think i was 13 when mom and dad kind of made the final yeah. push out and then I mean it was a handful of years that I stuck around because that's where my friends were but mm-hmm. I wasn't like me questioning the whole thing started back in like fifth grade oh really yeah that I early can tell you I think I pinpointed the story the Ooh, other day let me let me hear it I, I like, want to know hmm, something's not adding up okay. it's kind of a funny story so fourth or fifth grade I Reese would recess would hit and the girls would walk around the school, right? Mm. The boys would go play pomp <laughs> and <laughs> me and, you know, my other friends would walk around the school. Yeah. And we just chat because that's what we like to do was chat. Yeah. I played pomp a lot too, but usually the shorter recesses we just walk. So we're walking along and one of my friends says, guys, so my sister, her older sister, 
told me the other day that in order to have babies, you have to do that thing. And we're like, dun, that dun, thing? Dun. Like you're talking about like that thing? Because we weren't allowed to say it, right? You well, yeah, can't say sex. You sex can't was say, a naughty word to say. Yeah, taboo, bad. Mm-hmm. You stay far away from everything that has to do with that, including the word. You don't spell it. You don't say it. You write it on a piece of paper and you crumple up and burn it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So we're like, no, 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 that can't be right. God gives you a baby. That's the way it works. Right? (laughs) So in my head, I'm like, hold on. And I said this out loud to everybody. I'm like, okay, so babies are like the greatest gift from God, right? That's what we're taught. Babies, 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 babies. They're the greatest, most innocent thing God has created. Mm-hmm. Which in a certain sense is true. I agree. Yes, right? 100%. Whether you believe in God or not, babies are awesome. <laughs> yeah. My job as a woman in this religion was to make as many babies as I could. That was my job. Mm-hmm. That was my calling. It, they didn't really call it a job. It was my calling and my duty. Yeah. very. Babies. It was so much more lofty than a job. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was the most powerful and special position to have is to raise babies gotcha so here's this like pinnacle of accomplishment and now i was being told that in order to get that i had to do the worst thing you could ever do oh my god (laughs) that's like some serious mental gymnastics to wrap your head around yeah Yeah. especially as a fifth grader like (laughs) yeah i barely knew what sex was Mm mm-hmm I probably didn't even have any idea. I just learned exactly how to spell how penis like a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so here I am like walking laps around the school trying to wrap my head around this and expressing my feelings to my friends. And like this doesn't this doesn't add up. Why would God give us something so beautiful, but we'd have to do something so terrible yeah. to get that? That doesn't line up in my head. And that seemed to be like the first domino for you of like, this is not working I'm being told a lie somewhere. If this is true, and I didn't know if it was, because again, I'm sitting here going, maybe she's just making up a story. A true skeptic. You know, (laughs) true skeptic. I've I've been that way my whole life. There you go. (laughs) That's where it started. (laughs) Like, hmm. I've been told, you know, this thing, and now I'm being told this thing, and I don't know. But it doesn't add up. And wow. sure enough, later on, I find out what sex is and the actual like mechanics of how you get a baby. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's legit. She was right. <laughs> and so here's this giant question mark that followed me for, you know, I think it was sixth grade that we had the whole sex talk and like how that works. But so a year of like questioning and thinking about it at night and being too fr- too afraid to ask mom and dad yeah because i felt that way too <laughs> you know they're really private yeah i always we always saw them kissing and hugging and teasing each other in the kitchen and like, oh there was never PDA a lack of was yeah. like a common thing in our house but not anything sexual well yeah because mom and, and dad i mean there was never a lack of love between them 100%, from what yeah at least yeah i mean we that, knew. yeah we knew that they were desperately hopelessly in love to the point where it was kind of gross like mom and dad geez your 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 relationship's goopy yeah (laughs) you know yeah which is i think in my opinion i don't know how you feel about this but i would like to think that you think the same way is that that was like an amazingly 
good or like that was such a good thing to have in our house because oh. there are so many families, not even just in the AUB or LDS or, or whatever church um, is like that, that, you know, showing love towards your spouse in front of your kids mm-hmm. that gets absorbed mm-hmm. in how they develop and how they view a relationship. So right. if it's like that, that's a good positive example. But then if you have the other side of it where it's like, you know, you're d- like the father figure is kind of, you know, not really present or he's just kind of absent as far as his affection towards his right. wife, then that's how it's going to be mm-hmm. viewed as like, well, this is the ex- only example that I have of what a relationship right. is. And then all of a sudden when they're 18, 19, 20, 30 years yeah. old, they are like, well, this is the way it is. Well, what yeah. do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? Why- what do you mean you want a divorce? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, um, Trevor and I talk about that all the time of um, how we came to the same. <coughs> Sorry. Smoky. Do we need to open up the window? I think so. Okay. <laughs> the fire is going. That's why you hear the crackles. I still have to figure out if I my mental gymnastics is right of how I'm related to you without being your si- sibling. Real quick while it's in my head. You, no, I am your dad's oldest brother's first wife's sister, who's from another mother, sister's husband's sister's daughter. Did you follow that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, very, you took the long way around the planet, the planet. <laughs> to get to how are we related to... Yeah, you just basically added like 17 people <laughs> to a ride. <laughs> it was my epiphany in the shower this morning of like, how am I related to my brother in, without no. being like, hey, yeah, we're siblings. Anyways. <laughs> in a very okay. polygonometry way. <laughs> that was a side note. Yeah, making things so much more complicated. But Then it really needs to be. I mean, we can, well, I mean, I'm definitely going to have guests on the show that are like, this is my first cousin. This is my other first cousin. This is my other first first cousin. cousin. So when you have the same title for every, like, why is it? uh, No, we already had the episode with the first cousin. first cousins. Yeah. Um, But, no, okay, yeah. So dad's oldest brother's wife's sister from another mother's husband's little sister's oldest daughter. Oldest daughter, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Did mom and dad find out that they're like eight cousins, four oh, times removed I'm or something sure like that? they're related somehow. I think somewhere back on the... I mean, everybody is. Yeah. You know, if you go back that far, it's going to be like, <laughs> yeah, get back to, you know, feudal Scotland. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all part of the same clan. <laughs> so anyways, back, because I derailed that just now. Um, Trevor and I have come to the same idea for the most part, I mean, everybody grows up differently with different experiences, but we essentially got to the same point of what a relationship, what we wanted our marriage relationship to look like from opposite ends of the spectrum. Because so he didn't I grow had, up in polygamy. He was never affiliated. Right. No religion at all. Mm-hmm. I was very religious. His religion was gunpowder and wood. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he He was in the woods at six years old with a pistol on his belt. And not a fake one. No, a real one. An actual In real. In case he ran into mountain lions or bears. Yeah. And that was like. But that was a serious reality for him, though. It wasn't yes. like a, his dad thinking like, oh, you got to be prepared. No, you know, it no might that happen. was he was like, no, it could actually yes. really he, happen. He lived up in Maxville, which is a a bar 
Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> he, he lived in a bar. He grew up in a bar Maxville with a pistol. Maxville consists of a bar, and I think, like, the post office is in the bar. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's an amazing visual of, like, <laughs> Trevor being six years old with a pistol on his hip, like, getting in from a long day, walking around the woods, and be like, barkeep, whiskey, straight, thanks. And it's like, slides down the bar, and he, like, catches it in his hand, but it's, like, has a sippy cup top on it. <laughs> if he actually drank, drank? That would be legit. And he probably would have, but yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to like that visual. I'm going to have to tell him that story. Yeah. Well, he'll listen back and hear it. Yeah. No, but he did. He grew up in the woods where, you know, running into a bear or mountain lion was a legit possibility because he was that far back in the woods. And at six years old, he was hiking four or five miles to the top of the mountain. And his mom's like, all right, see you later. Come back for dinner. You know, a little different different childhood in in a sense of that it was a little bit more extreme our mom also was like peace out yep. have fun toodles come back for dinner you know mm-hmm. and we were trapacing across yeah, yeah we were all everywhere yeah. but his parents um stayed married for 40 years for the kids' sake but lived in a very dysfunctional relationship of like contentious yeah i mean yeah. fights yelling screaming throwing things at each other like not a very not a healthy relationship whereas our parents were very kind to each other and affectionate never and yeah affectionate never raised their voices at each other no ever. I, yeah i remember i i remember mom and dad kind of like getting in an argument one time it was when we were in the brown and white trailer mm-hmm. um and i remember because this is when Haley was tiny mm-hmm. um and I remember them kind of just, you could tell that there was friction, you yeah. know, as a little kid, you could mm-hmm. tell it's like, oh, hold on. This is what mom and dad actually are. Right. What's going on? And I remember saying, don't fight <laughs> to <laughs> don't, mom and dad. Don't fight. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, five, six yeah. years old. <laughs> I, it probably was the same time. I remember them being very tense, but it was more of like a silent treatment mm-hmm. of each other. Like they weren't talking and I was legit afraid that they were going to get a divorce and like really? mom and dad are fighting i've never seen them fight i have to choose a parent and like it was the- <laughs> <laughs> just throw your hands down like was- oh <laughs> i i was so scared for them i was i felt that energy so strongly that i was terrified and like worried that i was going to have to choose between a parent so do you think that that's from like since the normal for you and me growing up like the normal for mom and dad was like kindness affectionate mm-hmm. you know loving on each other mm-hmm. but not overdoing it obviously yeah you know and and everything that was the normal so if there was any sort of infiltration of contention or silent treatment like you mm-hmm. said then that was like whoa Dude. whoa whoa everything's yeah. going to go to shit or yeah. shoot <laughs> because <laughs> because mom and dad are fighting yeah you know and so. it, it, it makes me realize how lucky i am mm-hmm. that that was the end of my world when yeah what a problem to have right like i a very privileged child growing up to have two parents that adored each other and never screamed in front of us at each other and never screamed at each other no if they had an argument they took it to a room and they talked it out or they went for a drive or something like that or a walk or you know whatever they were doing my husband grew up kind of on the opposite end of where it was the normal was contention was contention and it was very outward everything that you felt was expressed outwardly and 
I wanted my parents as an example to follow for a marriage and Trevor chose to go the other direction from his parents and wanted a relationship where it was full of love and respect and talking through things instead of Mm -hmm. resorting to physical violence or yelling and screaming. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I feel very, very lucky that way. And to have found someone who wanted the opposite and chose, realized that that wasn't the only way and Mm -hmm. chose to do it a different way. That's awesome. Trevor is very outwardly expressive Mm -hmm. and has taught me to also express my feelings because I think that's something I I missed out on growing up is as a woman, as a girl Mm -hmm. in this, in the religion, it was, you know, be sweet, be kind. If you have an issue, don't make a big deal about it. Like those feelings aren't valid. So so you felt invalidated then? Yeah. Like if you had any sort of issue, it was like, yeah, but that doesn't matter because you're a woman. Yeah. In a sense of like, um, it's not as big of a deal as you think it is essentially of like, you can have your feelings, but they're smaller than you feel like they're. That's, that's that's a tough thing. Like that's really not good at all. (laughs) And I grew up as I was a rug. Essentially, that's what I relate myself to. I struggled really hard going through elementary school because I would feel something and I would want to say my feelings, but then it was like, you're so nice, you're so sweet, and I was taken advantage of. And with my friends, with people in general, of like, she's so patient, she'll be fine. Or, (laughs) and inside I'm just like ready to explode because I'm like, no. I'm tired of you being in my house. Like our play date's done or that's my journal. You can't read my journal. That's my private business. Why are you reading my journal? Yeah. Oh, it's no big deal. Oh, like, you'll be, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh God. And now I'm 29 and I'm still struggling to like, be like, no, that pisses me off. I want to yeah. talk about it. Yeah. That's and good. That's thank good God that I have a husband that's like, what's wrong? Tell me in words. Like, mm-hmm. don't just sit there and stew silently tell me how you feel and let's fix it oh that's good and here's my perspective mm-hmm. you know he we have a, a good we respect each other so if i have a problem i'm going to tell him but it's also expected that i hear his side of the story too mm-hmm. which i think is good and i expect the same thing of him of yeah there's two people in this relationship and two experiences and we're trying to like make something work yeah and with two and kids with two you're kids you're trying and, to make it work for them as well yep. While yeah. also, uh, yeah, I think that, I don't know, I've, I've definitely, I definitely relate to that idea of not being able to express mm-hmm. outwardly, like how, I mean, I know it's much different for, for you, what you mentioned earlier about being, you know, female. And that was, you know, culturally, like when you, when you abstract that out to how the culture felt about being a woman and mm-hmm. how your feelings were, it was different from the perspective of being a guy because yeah. you can, it was okay to kind of get mad and throw a fit. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not to say that I did that all the time. No. I mean, I've had my fair share of upset moments, but being able to um, show your kids that two people that love each other to the ends of the earth mm-hmm. <laughs> also can still have issues with each other yeah. and being able to show them that that's a thing while also not th- letting that get in the way of your relationship with each other. Exactly. If that makes sense. But it's not the the end of a relationship if you disagree. 
It's, yeah, which is what we kind of felt when mom and right, dad disagreed. Right, exactly. Yeah. It felt so, yeah, out of the box, and it was this scary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, you're exactly right, because it it's very normal to have an, a frustration with someone that you have lived with forever and never you really beings. find. I mean, yeah. you're, you're two people that have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard going from feeling like you have to be this like perfect robot almost. It's a kind of robotic of like you smile, you say please and thank you, you make food, you do the dishes and the laundry and you raise the babies and you make sure your husband is completely spoiled. Satisfied, all that stuff. Exactly. That is your role and it's very important and whatever. Yeah. To then going out into the world and realizing that my feelings are valid Mm -hmm. and it's okay to take up space (laughs) essentially in a room. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that we're a team. Mm -hmm. This isn't me trying to make your life as cushy as possible husband it's hey we're in this together life is crazy we have two kids let's help each other out Mm -hmm. essentially and yes like i do most of the cooking but i enjoy cooking and trevor helps me out with the meat because he knows exactly how to cook meat yeah there's the give and take Mm -hmm. but it's not an expectation i think that's what shifted it for me of like it doesn't have to be this is your role you're not doing it well enough oh that's really yeah that's really important hey we're a team what are we good at what do we like doing let's help each other out yeah and it's working for us that's That's so great not a lot of people can say that you know no yeah i was talking to one of our first cousins (laughs) um about Number marriage 42. and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, how many do we have on Jessup's side? I counted at one point, and I think it's in the forties. Is it? Yeah. It's got to be a yeah. It's close. <laughs> I wrote it on a piece of paper, and I left it in a backpack, and then that backpack ended up at the thrift store. And Aunt Lynn bought the backpack, and, and found she found the it. Note. She's like, hey, I think this belongs to you. (laughs) (laughs) It was a list of all the Jessup side with all the kids and all of our cousins. And it was essentially just like writing everyone out so I could see how many people (laughs) are are involved. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, I was talking to one of them about marriage and and all that stuff. And because we he and I have a a good relationship, like talking about that kind of stuff, being kind of like, you know, candid with each other um, and how he was still wrestling with wanting to stay in polygamy and and that kind of thing. And he said something that was really eye opening for me. And he said something because we were talking about, um, you know, uh, roles like where you talked about, like, this is your expectation or this is your job or whatever. And he said like, yeah, but that's not her job though. Like talking about, he he wasn't married at that Mm -hmm. time and like all this different stuff. And he said, yeah, but that's not her job though. But my job is this, but her job is that. And so the word job kind of Mm -hmm. was this thing that was kind of, you know, circling around the conversation. And then that was kind of one of those moments for me, like one of those first domino moments of like, well, but that she doesn't have to 
have a job it's a relationship it's it's mm-hmm. different it's this like you said give and take it's this mutual understanding that yeah. hey we have our strengths and weaknesses yeah. let's combine those to make sure that we are pointed at this one goal together mm-hmm. and work together towards mm-hmm. that um and i explained that in so many words to him and he was like wait really you think so i was like <laughs> yeah man weird concept <laughs> <laughs> i know it's weird i don't know if that was the first domino moment for him yeah. But. Yeah. How yeah. old were you? Oh, how old was I? Yeah, we were in high school. Okay. 15, 16 years yeah. old. Yeah. But, and at the same time though, I had had a girlfriend at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I had never been in a romantic relationship before. Yeah. So I still had no idea what, yeah. like, you know, firsthand experience what it was supposed to be like to be in a relationship. Um, and neither had he. And so it was one of those, like, us, like, talking about things that we both knew we didn't truly understand but thought we did yeah well, <laughs> like, well no i think this is how the way to it start is. to start processing it i mean it's yeah yeah did you how old were you when you kind of realized that you weren't going to be a polygamist polygamist okay so like a lot of people stay in the religion and they never end up getting a second wife mm-hmm. and it's like dad right and it seems yeah. like it kind of falls back on the excuse of we haven't found the right person yet mm-hmm. we haven't found the right fit yeah and that can go on forever yeah. Um, but was there ever a moment for you where you were like, mm, yeah, not for me? Um, yeah, there was there was a few things in regards to polygamy and like having multiple wives. I think the dominoes in regards to like all the other stuff involving the culture, those all happened first. I hang yeah. I hung on to the polygamy part. You know, it was the last thing to fall, so to speak. Interesting. Um. But it wasn't until, I'm trying to think back, like it wasn't until maybe I was, yeah, 12, right when our family was kind of on, you know, one foot mm-hmm. out the door mm-hmm. kind of idea. Like I just, I mean, I, I was convinced growing up that I was going to have multiple wives. Really? Yeah. All the way through sixth, seventh grade. It wasn't until I, it wasn't until I went to the devilish public school <laughs> that I realized Blast that there was me. more to the world than, <laughs> than Gentiles our, down the, there. Yeah, the Gentiles. <laughs> we were Gentiles too. <laughs> it was one of those things like you develop. Like I started feeling, you know, romantic feelings towards someone who wasn't a part mm-hmm. of the AUB, and that was kind of one of those like, wait, whoa, hold on. She now I have to go and convince her. Right. To be a part of it because yeah. like I couldn't separate and delineate romantic feelings and oh, that means you're going to marry her. And again, that's one of the duties mm-hmm. is if you find someone that might have an inkling of interest, bring them into the fold. Yep. Right? Yeah. See if you um, can convince. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have romantic feelings for them. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. eighth grade. <laughs> I'm just like, listen, I know well, we're both 13. <laughs> <laughs> but I know how life's going to go for both of us, so mm-hmm. might as well come in. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was kind of one of those first things of like, yeah, I'm feeling feelings towards this girl. I think she's cute. She's awesome. She's funny. She's nice. Um, all these different things. And then being like, but she's not a part of the AUB. She's LDS. Uh-oh. How do I? Cause, which is even more Which more is almost hairy. worse. Yeah. In a, in a certain way, if you want to think about it, just because the AUB and the LDS, the contention there was already, mm-hmm. you know, it's that's a song as old as time. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of the moment where I was like, wait a second. It started, started to kind of wrestle with that dichotomy between 
okay, she's LDS. I don't know if this is going to work out for us, but also I'm having these feelings and growing up, those feelings meant this and that's mm-hmm. the way it's always been. So therefore, what does that mean? Like it was just this giant, I mean, pubescence is always yeah. the worst. <laughs> it's a mess anyways. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But then when you throw the religion and all that stuff on top of it, mm-hmm. it makes for a really, I don't know. I don't want to claim that I had a worse time through puberty than anyone else. But that was also a part of it that I don't think a lot of other people can say that they had, right. you know, I mean, and, and, and I'm not alone. I mean, yeah. I know that you had that and everyone we grew up with had that as well. Yeah. So, yeah, as far as, yeah, I think it was, yeah, eighth grade when I decided that, yeah, I don't think polygamy is for me. Yeah. I don't know that I ever felt like I was going to be in polygamy, in a polygamous relationship, honestly, like. Ever? Ever. I don't remember ever feeling like, yeah, I'm going to. I'll have a second wife. I pondered it a lot, but always gave me this like dreadful feeling of like how Wow. I just thought I'd never be good at it. You know, I think you're not alone. I think most, I mean, here I am saying I know what women think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it, it seems, it seems that it would follow that a lot of women feel like polygamy isn't for them, but do it anyway. Yeah. I did have one friend. This was really sad to me. She said, yeah, I won't ever be a first wife. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. I'm I'm second or third wife quality. Oh, my God. And that's how she felt for... She was in high school. We were in high school and she said that to me. And it broke my heart because here I am still, you know, again, trying to be like, feel worthy to say how I feel. And yet Mm -hmm. there was somebody that was so so down on herself because she came from a second wife family and she, you know, all, there's so many things that you could get into of tears of society within this culture. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, first wife is kind of queen bee. Yeah. As much as people don't like to admit it from the outside looking in, that's what it looks like. It's pretty plain in day, plain (laughs) as day. Yeah. And yeah, this girl was just like, yeah, no. And she, went on to be a second wife and um yeah how is she doing now do you know i don't know i haven't visited Mm. with her for a while yeah but that's tragic it is it's i wish i wish that there was a way or an avenue or just even a focus with young women here in the in the community to just lift them up and first find value in themselves before they move on. But you can't do that if you want someone to... You know, you're speaking blasphemy and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'm kidding. Yep, you got the, the the feminist in the room that's like voting for women here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, I agree 100%. But that should be a thing. In, honestly, if everybody felt that way at 12 and 13, confident, this is what I want, mm-hmm. I am worthy. Yeah. There'd be less second and third wives, I think, mentality of like, nope, that's not for me. I want. You know, now you think, now that you say that, I'm my wheels are spinning, so to speak. The gears are turning. I think if if that were to happen, let's say that there was like this big social push in the AUB to lift up women, like you said, mm-hmm. and find value within themselves before they start pursuing a husband or a family to be a part of. 
um, and starting to date 50 year old dudes when you're 17. Oh, yeah. um, oh. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> kind of want to, but, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but like if that were to be a thing, it seems as though that polygamy would pretty much halt in its traction and, and just die out because it just seems to be human nature if you are confident and you find value within yourself to not settle for being the quote unquote third wife, Mm -hmm. second wife material that, you know, those rungs on that ladder. Mm -hmm. So you would only ever want to be first wife. Yeah. And then if everyone was only going to be the first wife, then polygamy would just wouldn't be a thing. Well, and, and the, yeah, you're taught that second and third wife are just as good as a first wife, right? (laughs) Everyone's equal. Yeah, that's but what they not say. A, not everyone feels that way. That's what they say, but it's definitely it. not how they're treated. Yeah. We've seen that. Exactly. And just this, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't I don't know. <laughs> I I haven't been in a polygamous relationship and so I don't I can't speak for myself, but I have many friends who are. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a challenge of feeling good enough. And not feeling like there there was an analogy that I was told. The first wife was feeling a little um, low. Okay. That her husband, she was questioning the fact that they were pursuing a second wife. She didn't feel like she was good enough anymore. Oh Weird God. how this spins, right? Because the second wife never feels good enough. But or then, feels second string. And then when the first wife, oh, yeah, we're trying to get another one. Then she's What's like, well, wrong what? with me? Yep. What, what do I not have that she does? Oh. It's this constant question. And, and women are the best at, like, self-criticizing. That's just mm-hmm. how it is. And she went to a, a, a wise woman, whether it was her mom or her grandma or somebody, to talk about her feelings and how she was doubting this and how she was feeling just not good enough for her husband. And the woman said... Just think of it as yourself as a shoe. You're the old shoe. You're the comfortable shoe that's always fit. And he'll always come back to the comfortable shoe. <sighs> he'll go try new shoes on, but he'll always come back. Can you believe that? Like, Oh my God, this that is makes me feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> this is stuff that has been said to people. You, and You're a slipper. Exactly. Oh. And a girl's class lesson that I sat in was don't have sex before you're married because then you're a chewed up piece of gum. And who wants to chew a piece of gum that somebody else has already chewed? Do you want to tell the butter story? The butter story. Lick the bread? Lick the butter? I don't, I don't remember this. You don't? No. Okay. So since we're talking about, yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I'll remember when you start probably. Okay. Uh, I think it was a fireside lesson where, and for some reason I remember this happening and I don't know if my memory is like skewed or if this actually happened or not, but for some reason, this is what I remember. So for anyone who's listening, I'm open to being wrong about this, <laughs> whether this actually happened to me or not. But I remember a fireside lesson where they were talking about that stuff, like, the premarital sex mm-hmm. and the analogy that they used well it was a fast sunday and so <laughs> we're if, all thinking about food anyways <laughs> we're all thinking about food anyways okay <laughs> and we show up 
And when you walked in to Fireside, it smelled like uh, home-cooked bread or homemade bread, which is one of the greatest smells that a human can experience, right? And you walk in and there's just like this wafting, you know, you felt like a cartoon, like following the trail of smoke (laughs) in the air, you know, like blissfully, like floating towards the window with the pie in Uh it, that kind of idea, right? And we're all fasting, so we're hungry. (laughs) And they start, you know, making this analogy towards like premarital sex. And they knew that it was going to be like a tough lesson that day because it was going to be awkward and uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. They cut this slice of bread and it's like steaming, as it falls down from the knife and they grab like sure homemade this isn't like torture by the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so it like falls down and all of us are just like drooling, just like, Oh, and they spread homemade butter on it. And they asked who would like a slice. Every hand went straight up in the air and they like picked a person out and said, yeah, yeah, come on up. And they, just before they gave the slice of bread with the butter on it. Did they lick it? They licked it. They I licked the slice remember of. remember this. They, they licked this butter on the slice before they gave it to the person. And they're like, well, do you want this still? You said you wanted it. And they're like, what? Ew, no. And then that was like the segue oh my of like, this is what premarital sex is like. If you have <sighs> sex before you're married, you are now a licked piece of bread with butter on it it's so awful like oh my god and it, like and that's what we were taught that exactly. was the that no. was the idea in regards to premarital sex mm-hmm. was like if you have sex before you're married you are now used up yep your purity is now gone your worth is only attached to your virginity exactly. and therefore you are yep. not worth much anymore because yep. you've been used yep. toss you to the side yep you're trash yep you're, yep, you're a licked piece of bread, you're a chewed up piece of gum, you're a whatever. Yeah. Something undesirable. And especially, like, I don't know how it was for the guys growing up, but as a girl, that was harped on yep. all the time. Yep, same with because, us. Because, yeah, our value was in our virginity mm-hmm. when it came to getting married. Um, I think it was less so for boys. Oh. Like. And yeah, well, because it was my fault if something happened. Yeah. Oh. oh, what was I wearing? I was showing my collarbone, or I was wearing <laughs> flip flops, or whatever. Your your shorts went above your kneecap. Shorts? You can wear those. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, if you're playing piney basketball, you're wearing jeans. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> no, I. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot when it comes to sex and bodies and like whose fault is whose that I I can get pretty fired up on I when I'm taught I don't know if you remember the whole like women can't fold their arms during prayer because it draws attention to their breasts do you remember that god yes so we're like great we'll put our hands behind our backs no 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 you can't do that because it draws attention to your butt so you're supposed to just stand there like a tree (laughs) during prayer how awkward is that and excuse me, any holy man saying prayer is not looking at my boobs or butt. He's closing his eyes and he's focused on the prayer. So what does it matter if I'm folding my arms during prayer? His eyes should be closed. <laughs> right? And you know, 
that is something that I think is not just from the AUB or, you know, I think it's, you know, that you, when you get a little bit more hardcore with religion, that's right. kind of seems yes. to be the sentiment right. is like, you are an object of desire yes. for men. Yes. And, and anything you wear or say or do, you are creating those impure thoughts in his head. Mm-hmm. And if he screws up, it's it's, your it's fault. because you did this. The woman did this. It's absolutely abhorrent. In I, my opinion. I agree. It's terrible. And it, it it spreads into just this day and age and the rape culture stuff that we deal with of women going up in court and being asked what they were wearing or what, did they have a drink or whatever. It's like, no. If I walk down the street naked, it's not an invitation for someone to come have and, sex with me. Yeah. Or touch me. Yes, I am putting myself out there so I can expect some stares. Yeah. But you are in control of your body, not me. Exactly. It is not my problem. And I'm not doing these things to try. No one tries to get raped. No. Do you know of anyone who tries to get raped? No. no. I, I haven't heard of any. So. <laughs> that's where I just I can like, see some fire lit up in your eyes a little bit. <laughs> I, I'm trying to raise a daughter in a world <laughs> with it. A background of not being taught about sex enough, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I was, I, we, we didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn what a healthy sexual relationship was. Um, so I'm trying to raise a, a young girl who's very smart and very pretty and all of that in this world where I think it's getting better. But in a world where traditionally it's a woman's fault. And yeah. so I'm kind of bucking the system and doing the opposite of how I was raised of teaching her words about her body and what everything is called. It's a vagina. It's a penis. It's And that's you know, it. Not There's no nicknames. There's no nicknames in our house for that because I need her to be confident and aware of her body. Mm-hmm. And I need her to come and tell me if something happens to her and be able to exactly say what happened well yeah because when you're saying yeah he touched me in my hoo-ha or my cookie right it's it's something that's you know if you ask a detective or you tell that to a detective then they're like well what does that mean in your house yeah and then then there's all that all of a sudden that veil of of cloudiness surrounding the terms Mm -hmm. but if you say no he touched me in my vagina or he touched me on my butt yeah or he touched my breasts yeah it's there's no there's no guessing exactly on what that is. And the same for Finn being a young boy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also trying to raise him up to be a very respectful man. And both of my kids need to know what consent is. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what consent was. Like, Wasn't it really taught. No, because my duty was to please my husband no matter what I thought about it. Mm-hmm. And so me saying, ah, I don't know about this doesn't mean no. Yeah. It's this convincing of like very coercive. Yeah. Which is And it's not rape. okay. <laughs> and so yeah. It's been an adventure and my children have taught their friends lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to words, not a lot of things or actions, but just yeah. My kids say penis a lot, but you know what? It's so it's, much better. It is what it is. It's and, so much better. Um I think, and I hope, maybe I'm doing it wrong. I've never done this before, but I don't think I'm, you are. I'm hoping that 
by giving her the confidence and him the confidence now that when they become teenagers and preteens and adults, they can very firmly say, no, I don't want this. And expect that that person respect their wishes and their boundaries. And then if they keep going with it, then they understand that that's not okay. Exactly. And for them to respect other people that way. If someone else says, nope, I'm not okay, then they stop. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know. It's, yeah. No, I, I, I relate so hard to the idea of like, we just didn't, we just didn't know what consent truly meant mm-hmm. or what it entailed or how the mechanism of saying no and mm-hmm. refusing or, you know, stopping if someone else says no, like we didn't know what that really was. No, because it just up. wasn't talked about. No. And like and sex was so far, like you mentioned at the beginning, like so far out of bounds to talk mm-hmm. about and that shame mm-hmm. just festers propagates gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then it creates unhealthy habits later because you have no idea yeah and so you're just like "Mm, sure this feels good whatever yeah um or you just yeah it's just it becomes this unhealthy fixation almost Mm -hmm. because you don't know it's the classic thing if you tell a kid no they're gonna try to do it or if you tell people need walls to push against yeah yeah. Is I think it's human nature to try to question things and explore things and f- some people more than others like to experience it themselves first to know. Mm-hmm. Not be told what what is what is good and what is not. They have to experience it and figure out the lesson the hard way. Yeah, and, and I think that I mean when you think about just what you prefer sexually, like you kind of have to figure out what you like and don't like. Yeah. And you can't be told like, oh, yeah, I like this or, oh, it's really not okay to like this, but I actually do like it anyway. Like, I mean, that, I mean, that's a whole can of worms. (laughs) But, you know, when it comes to, you know, sexual orientation and and what you enjoy. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I, I know, I, I have this very strong feeling that there are so many men and women in the AUB and the LDS church and wherever that are wrestling with how they truly feel and want, but don't feel like they're being validated. Yeah, if it doesn't fit in the box of what righteous sex is. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a reason why it's called the missionary position. (laughs) 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 Get on, get in, get out. Yep. That was a lesson as well. (laughs) Let him get on, get in, get out. Uh, uh. When, again, here's my feminism coming out like again it takes two people to tango and it's not just about him having an orgasm no of course not she can have one too and it's okay and it's a lot of fun yeah that's great yeah and i don't know if anybody's listening that understands but sex is awesome (laughs) 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 to all the people out there It is if it's consensual. Yes, absolutely. And that's what it should be. Absolutely. I don't care if you're gay, lesbian, trans, whatever. If it's two people, two adults that are consenting. Informed. And informed. Yeah. Do whatever the hell you want. I don't care. It's not my business either. But when it comes to hurting people or manipulating people, then I'm not okay with it. Absolutely. And and unfortunately, yeah, I mean, there's... (laughs) Here's here's another story. You know who I'm talking about, but I was very much heavily pursued by a married man 
mm-hmm. not heavily, not like outwardly public, but definitely very obvious when yeah. I was 14, mm-hmm. 15. And I look back on that now and it makes me more sick than I did then because I was a child. Yeah. And a married man with children of his own. That had, didn't he have kids that were the same age as you? No. No? Well, I think his oldest is younger than me. Okay. By a few years. I'm not sure. I choose to. Now I'm second guessing who I think it is now. Anyway, more. we'll talk about it later. Um, Off the air. Well, yeah. <laughs> I just found out, yeah, that there might have been a second one too. Mom told me about another guy. but Oh, <laughs> well, that's um, good news. Yeah, <laughs> that's something to drop on you. <laughs> Well, sis, uh, actually, there was two <laughs> old men that wanted you when you were 14, so deal with that. And they were Bye. old. They were, you know, young guys, but I was 14. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I was 14. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter doesn't, if they were 75 matter. or if they were 20. Like, No, yeah. It's one thing for a 15, 16, 17-year-old boy to have a crush on a 14-year-old girl, mm-hmm. but yeah. And... Now that I'm an adult and I have children myself and experiencing and seeing, you know, different things when it comes to pedophilia, Mm -hmm. I'll just call it what it is. It's so rampant in cultures like this because married men are taught that it's okay to start looking for future wives when they're the girls are young so where do you think that does i've been thinking about that a ton as well um trying to like parse it out and see where it comes from like from a psychological or psychosexual perspective because like when mormonism started is you know in the 1830s 1820s you know so it, it seemed as though the the i don't know zeitgeist paradigm at the time was like getting married at sixteen wasn't the most uncommon no, thing. No, it's very normal. Yeah, yeah. And historically, it, w- it was just it was normal to get married very young. Yeah, and so when that is a part of it, and then you throw in the polygamy aspect, which more like mainstream LDS uh, teaching really just glosses over the oh, fact that yes. Joseph Smith was a polygamist. Mm-hmm. You know, and that Brigham Young and John Taylor and all those dudes. Mm-hmm. All the way up until like, you know, the 1920s where all the prophets had multiple mm-hmm. wives. And in order to be one, it or was not expected. not 1920s, it was, yeah, 1890s. But to have those higher offices, mm-hmm. it was expected of you. Yeah, it's like yeah. part of, yeah. it, it was quite literally part of the religion. Yeah. I mean, that's what yeah. we... That's how quite, it started. <laughs> it's fundamental yes. <laughs> to the fundamentalist part of how we grew up. Um, and so when you toss that in with Joseph Smith marrying a 14-year-old girl mm-hmm. that he kind of adopted or whatever it was, I can't remember exactly how it worked, but in institute classes for the LDS church, they talk about how sad Emma was that Joseph was spending so much time with the church. His his calling was so great, and Emma was distraught that he was gone all the time and didn't, you know, he wasn't around. It's like, no, he was sleeping with a 14-year-old. But they're like, well, I mean, it's up for debate. And and there's so many stories. Oh, you're not interpreting the words of someone who lived in the 1800s said correctly and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. which is unsettling, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, So, I mean, I guess my point is like, how, like, is that why it's such a huge thing in the AUB? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But this day and age, it's 
any day and age, it's not okay for children to be abused. Absolutely. And it's grooming when a married man tries to befriend a 14-year-old girl Mm -hmm. and invite her over to whatever or... And I never did anything or even went to his house for anything. It yeah. was, he creeped me out. I yeah. followed my gut on that one and I stayed as far away from him as I could. And I still don't like seeing him around. It yeah. just, it, it, not that I think he would do anything to me, but back then he was looking at me with praying eyes. Ugh. And it was not that he even would do anything then to me but it was it was still on the table attractive she's patient she's kind she's sweet all the ideal qualities for a wife so i'm going to snag this one right now and if i can be her friend then by the time she's marrying age 17 and three quarters by the time she's marrying age so in about six months (laughs) 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 when she's 14 and a half (laughs) (laughs) then maybe she would choose me Ugh. and if my wife is friends with her Oh, like that's a big key Mm -hmm. is if the wives get along, then it's great. It starts out great and then it turns terrible later. But yeah, I just, I have some serious problems with it and I still have some things I have to work through, obviously, because it still fires me up. But go to therapy. I know I should. I I, I mean, I I say that kind of in a blase way, but but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's, (laughs) you know, like, cause I've been working in mental health for a while and everything, but like just from my experience of the clientele, if you want to call it that, I'm not a licensed therapist, but mm-hmm. um, working as a mental health counselor and a field instructor and like that kind of stuff is like, it, 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 I'm in the same boat. It brings up a lot. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I have a lot of unresolved stuff mm-hmm. about how I feel about the life, the universe and everything mm-hmm. um, in regards to sex. And I mean, that's still like, quite frankly, like affects me still today. Um, and it's not like impacting me negatively on how I treat my girlfriend at all. In fact, it's the same type of idea that you're talking about with your husband about how he saw so much nastiness in his home growing up between his mom and dad that he was, he made it his goal to not be like that. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I've carried that same kind of idea of like, I've seen so many men and I've seen so many women in particular have gone through so much. Mm-hmm. shit because of polygamy that I am I jump so far the other way yeah. and I make sure that I'm not even encountering those <laughs> thoughts or right. actions in yeah. regards to how I treat my romantic partner mm-hmm. um and yeah it's just it wigs me out so hard yeah. to just see and it's I mean it's still happening mm-hmm. I mean it's I wouldn't say that there's like 55 year old dudes marrying 14 year olds no, anymore that's not happening but there's still the grooming there's yeah. still the the you know sneaky coercive praying eyes yep and I think that now since the split happened one side of the fence has also doubled down on it mm-hmm. and stayed true to the idea mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. nope this is the way it goes yeah which is heartbreaking mm-hmm. and terrible and absolutely vile and ho- like the worst. It, it's just so nasty. No, and it's hard to wrestle with because like there's there's all the bad stuff and it's really hard to not. It's hard to ignore the bad stuff. And that's where I've learned my biggest ne- lessons is from where I got the negative from it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good for from it, too. I mean, I 
I have an amazing, huge family. I know what loyalty is like to your community and, and hard work. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of great things too, but ultimately like the things that had the biggest impact on me were from negative experiences. And so therefore I live my life trying to correct that Yeah. or stay away from that. Or Do you feel like you've overcorrected at all? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm going to have to think on that one. I'm a therapist, so. (laughs) (laughs) You only have good questions. (laughs) That's such a stupid thing to say. (laughs) Well, I know it has, so I'm a wedding photographer. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've never... I mean, you you capture romance. That's your job. Yes, Yeah. And I've never... There's only been a few people, unless I've known them from growing up and actually photographed their wedding. There's only a few people that have never heard of this type of thing or don't have any idea that it even exists in this state. I mean, we can thank Cody Brown. Right. I mean, that's that's one there. <laughs> well, and well, we can thank Cody Brown, and we can also thank Warren Jeffs. Yeah. Yeah. And South Park. <laughs> and the few people that might know what my five wives are yeah if <laughs> yes. you watch those seasons you might be able to see <laughs> me see and us. my guests in the background of a few episodes um i don't associate where i grow up with my business i haven't brought that to light until now this is now going public here of okay well me being a wedding photographer but my past in a polygamist culture heavily influences how I photograph weddings and how oh, important it is to me. So yeah, cause I haven't, I haven't talked to you about this at all. Yeah, Not a lot of people have. I've kept it to myself for the most part. Okay. Well. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so how does, first, so first wives and uh, th- that first marriage tends to be like a crush. You fall in love, you get married, right? Uh, an organic. In a, Yes. It's very natural, like everybody else does it. Mm-hmm. You think they're cute, you think they're handsome, they're tall, they're whatever it is that you like. You start talking, you flirt, you might hold hands if you're sneaky. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> you don't kiss whoa, till whoa, the whoa, altar. Whoa, whoa. Right? Hold on. Let's uh <laughs> yes. take off my jacket here. <laughs> A little too steamy for me holding them hands. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, it's it's an organic yeah. evolution of a relationship. You get married, all's great. Second wife comes into the picture, or third wife, and I have heard more than once at a wedding, you will learn to love him. Oh. And it breaks my heart because- That is a dagger, isn't it? It is. It's, oh. it, it becomes not about love, and maybe someone in that, it's not everybody. This is, again, two or three instances that I've heard this. Mm-hmm. So I can't say it's a blanket statement, but how just heartbreaking is it that it it puts it in perspective that falling in love with someone is so magical, even though that I I ask my couples all the time, like, what's what's something that you find really special about your relationship? And all the time I'm like, "Ah, we don't have that great of a love story. Like he proposed to me on the couch. We were in our sweats. Mm -hmm. And I just want to just be like. What you have, there's so many people that don't have. Yeah. They don't have a husband that is in love with them when they get married. Whether it's a plural relationship or not, there's a lot of people that just get married because that's what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. 
and they'll learn to love them with time. Oof. And that's to tough. be able to have someone walk down the aisle and stand there with their partner and know that they're in love with that person is really special, even yeah. though it happens every day all the time, all yeah. over the world. Yeah. For a lot of people, that doesn't happen. And so to me, Oof. a wedding is magical. Yeah. And it really has influenced how I document this love story. It doesn't matter how mundane, quote unquote, it is, because it's, it's pretty... mixing my words it's pretty freaking amazing to just be in love with someone to have somebody that loves you yeah and and then the other side of it too um is women's bodies in general and we've talked about that a little bit of just not a woman is not an object her body's not a piece of meat or a toy no it's a beautiful thing yeah which i think most people can kind of understand that yes yes yeah and I've had to do a lot of work on myself too of not being ashamed to show my body, not in a sexual way, but just it's a body. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And everybody in every shape and size is beautiful. And growing up, I was taught that it was shameful and it yep. needed to be covered up. Yeah. And it's not okay to show it off because it's not okay. Yeah. And. Um, another girl's class lesson is this is how I stay skinny. This is my workout routine. This is what I eat. Mm-hmm. And I've had to work really, really, really hard to keep the physique that I do because my sisters don't look like me. And as much as it's not like, again, out there and it's not taught in church, yeah. it's an underlying current of yeah. stay skinny because you want to be desirable for your husband because your worth is in the sex sex yeah wasn't it so um photography yeah i pull that in and i i'll shoot you know boudoir photography for women who want to give a gift to their husband but again it's i have a dream someday of opening up a studio for boudoir but it's not about the gift for your man it's literally like come celebrate your incredible body. Yeah. Let's show it off because it's beautiful. That's awesome. And I don't know. Maybe someday it'll happen. But yeah. One thing at a time. It's really cool that you want to be a porn shoot photographer. <laughs> 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 <That's> so, <laughs> I can't help myself. I'm no, sorry. No, no, no porn. No porn. Um, but yeah. No, that's really awesome. I think that's so rad. And um, my partner has struggled with that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, very extensively. And part of her therapy I can't remember when this was exactly but um her being an artist um she wrote a little flip book not like a animated flip book that you would see um that you would make when you're a kid or something like that but it was a small little pamphlet that she cranked out in like 10 minutes it was like how to have a beach body like that was the title of it and it was like stick figures oh okay and so she drew this stick figure and it was very obvious that it was a woman or, or a female, right? Biological female woman. So she drew like a stick figure bikini top and bikini bottom oh, on this stick figure, <laughs> right? And it said, how to have the perfect beach body. It's like, have a body, turn the page, go, go to, to the, the beach. beach. <laughs> page, you have a peach body. You have a beach body. Like, congrats. Yeah. Or like, how to have a fit body. It's like, have a body, take care of yourself. 
you had now have a, you know, and like that yeah. kind of stuff. And it was, um, from what she said, she got a lot of, um, friends and, and family and stuff like that, that like really appreciated that stuff mm-hmm. from her. Um, and I'm so freaking proud of her. I yeah. think that she's, she's amazing, but, yeah. um, but yeah, that idea, that underlying current of staying sexually desirable because that's the only thing that you're worth. Mm-hmm. That's so common. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not just in the AV. It's all no. over the place. Yeah. It's just, I think, accentuated with, with modesty rules and stuff. Modest and, is hottest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> it's just so not good. Yeah. And I think I'm it, dressing tastefully and everything. I don't care what you wear. It's your choice and whatever. But yeah. it's, it just comes down again to just growing up feeling so controlled like I, I couldn't feel what I wanted to feel. I couldn't wear what I wanted to wear because it was too revealing. Or mm-hmm. don't fold your arms. <sighs> yeah. How dare you? Don't do that. <laughs> don't don't put your hands behind your back because it shows off your ass. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's such. A, that's the most ridiculous logic. I had a friend call me up too after church and worried about my salvation because I wore flip flops to church because it was disrespectful and it showed off your feet. Skin. It showed and. off your feet. Dude, <laughs> here's a really crazy <laughs> thought. How many feet fetishists are in the AUB? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I know people that have made a lot of money sending pictures of their feet to dudes online. Well, I'm so. about to jump into that pool as well. I think I'm going to start selling pictures of my feet. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go. I'll, I'll take maybe like four or five pedicures to get me to the point where I think yeah. that people are creepy. Do- not, I'm not saying that you're creepy if you like feet. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, if you want pictures of my feet, I might sell them to you for yeah. a lot cheaper than anyone else. <laughs> Capitalism at its finest. Yep. No, it's just yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw a picture of uh, it was during um, the protests that have mm. been happening recently, um, and it showed a dude with a sign that said "Free Hugs." Um, oh boy! And in the middle of coronavirus. No, it was, oh. well, yeah, it was during that. So he had a mask on and stuff okay. and it said like free hugs, um, but like socially distanced. I think it was in parentheses underneath it. So okay. like air hugs. Air hugs. Yeah. Got and then it. it said, uh, then there was a guy standing right next to him that said deluxe hugs oh. <laughs> <laughs> for a dollar, still socially distanced. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> I wonder what the difference was. <laughs> so yeah. COVID happened and I found myself reverting back to some of my roots through covid of food storage prepper the end of the world mentality (laughs) did you find yourself like having sneaky thoughts come in and being like maybe the maybe they're right maybe this isn't the end of the world okay so when things went down this was (laughs) (laughs) when the apocalypse happened no it's actually really weird because that happened in what march Mm -hmm. and we're in october now Mm -hmm. and it's just going to last two weeks. It's fine. Just stay home. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, but I don't want to get too political. No, I don't um, want to. But I remember feeling like <laughs> mom texting me <laughs> saying, grab your brother, go to Super One when you get beans. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so we went down <laughs> to the grocery store and it was a zoo. Absolute madhouse. Chaos. Like chaos, like people crashing into each other's carts, like <laughs> shelves are empty. Shelves are empty. Yeah. And I mean, 
And okay, so <laughs> mom's second oldest brother mm-hmm. told me, he's like, I think the Mormons started the whole toilet paper shortage. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? How is that your theory? He's like, dude, seriously, hear me out. It happened in Logan. That was the first place that started it because religious leaders and the bishops said, hey, our bishop's storehouse is getting low on toilet paper. Stock up. This is it. It's happening. So a Mormon mom went in to get toilet paper for her household mm-hmm. and grabbed and a cart full started. Yep. Panic. Cart full. And then, I mean, that's how it starts. That's how panic buying starts. It does. It's yeah. like it's one person who's overloading a little bit more than what's normal. Like when you have a literal cart full where, you know, packages of toilet paper are falling off of the cart and then people like just doing their normal shopping, like, what well, is, why, does, you're why does she need shopping for 12 children? Right. And if you're in Logan, it's not the most uncommon right. thing to buy in bulk. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, and then like everyone started going for it. And then that was like propagated that next Sunday in church and. All of a sudden, it goes rampant, goes worldwide. I mean, I had friends texting me from China saying, "Like, dude, are you guys like out of toilet roll in America?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, dude, can't find any." They're like, "Why is it's not even a symptom of COVID to get like have diarrhea? Like, why is this a thing?" <laughs> and and yeah, they were. I mean, a, a comedian friend of mine uh, in Hong Kong had a photo shoot done professionally with a roll of toilet paper of like showing how special this roll of toilet paper was for him. (laughs) And like, they went on like this date and like this really thing is like, she's so special for me. I thought it was hilarious. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had that, that little bit of fear creep in of like, Oh, the end of the world, the apocalypse, the, have I lived my life the way I'm supposed to, to survive this, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's so fear-based and I, I've chosen to live my life not out of fear. And yeah. Just like, I mean, it's nice to be prepared. Uh, it, yeah. And I, I went stocked up on some things and I'm glad I did because I, I spent two weeks in my house and it was nice to not have to go out. Yeah. The introvert in me has been loving the socially distanced <laughs> world we're living in. So, uh, so. <laughs> a coworker of mine who is also very introverted, uh, told me that he's uh he's had to correct himself on how he smiles because with a mask on mm, you can't see him. you can't see an actual literal curling of the lips into a smile mm-hmm. right so he smi- he does the whole smize thing oh, yeah. but he's like <laughs> he said i was with some of my friends uh or his family i think it was his family like they was at his mom's place or something like that and he walked in and was happy to see his mom, but he got so much in the habit of just smiling with his eyes that it looked like he was just glaring at his mom. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think about it, when you smile, like, you know, you use your whole face. But when you have a mask, you just like. You can just smile with your eyes and you don't have to smile. <laughs> right. But when you don't have a mask on and you've, you you develop that habit, it just looks like you're squinting and glaring at him. <laughs> and so his mom like had a serious issue. Like, what's your problem? <laughs> He's like, no, I'm happy to see you. He's like, why are you looking at me that way? <laughs> Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. I still smile under the mask. It's all (laughs) interesting. Yeah. And now they're coming out with those clear masks. Have you seen those? They look absolutely ridiculous. And then last night I saw a little clip of like these hood bubble things where it looks like a a space suit for like your shoulders and up and you can like strap into it. And it has like this, uh, you know, plastic. It looks like a hazmat helmet. Okay. Um, but it has uh, gloves on the inside that go to the inside. 
So you can like you can just like walk around and do stuff. But if you need to like itch your nose or or you scratch your on. yeah, you put your glove on and then like itch and then like take it out. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm like, dude, is okay. this what is there's, this what the world's gonna be one now? I saw with a little terrarium in it with like plants and stuff, so you were breathing fresh air the whole time. Ugh. Oh, gross! <laughs> <laughs> like it's real misty. Um, Excuse me. I don't know. Do you think that human beings, depending on how long COVID lasts, do you think human beings are like evolved to not have mouths? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because everyone's walking around looking like Princess Jasmine and like, <laughs> and maybe, I mean, we can all agree maybe. that the mower, <laughs> here's something that's interesting. Cause like the whole dating idea during COVID is weird. Oh yeah. Right. I'm so glad I'm not right? doing that right yeah, now. No, not, yeah. Um, <laughs> But we can all agree that the more attractive half of a person's face is the upper half. I would agree. Right? I think. I mean, because there's like a lot of gross stuff that happens in a mouth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, spit, saliva, you know, wonky teeth. Yeah. You know, that's where bad breath comes from. It's <laughs> true. Yep. But you don't, you can't have bad breath from your eyeballs. It's true. So. It's true. It's something that my roommate asked me the other day. He was like, so how is this going to even happen with people? And so we had a long discussion <laughs> I think about we're it. We're all gonna get like super crazy filter lungs that can like Oh, that'd be sick. Yeah. Walk anywhere. We go to space without spacesuits. Just, in- just install a own. filter in your trachea. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like wheezing like Darth Vader. So <laughs> I'm not getting COVID. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but I'm just looking at the bright side and loving that no one can stand in line behind me too close. That's so great. Um, I saw someone <laughs> post a, a tweet where they were like, I mean, I'm not on Twitter, but Twitter is so pervasive anyway that you just see tweets all the time, um, where it said, I'm so happy that COVID's a thing because if someone decides to sit next to me on a bench in a public park, I can like tell them to fuck off and not feel bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I can relate. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Want to call it there? Sure. All right.